Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Hello everyone, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct, you guys. If you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I am your host of Killer Instinct. Before we get started, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button, that way you never miss an episode. We post weekly here on the podcast every Wednesday and then again every Thursday on YouTube as well and you are not going to want to miss it. Now, as you guys can tell by the title of today's episode, today we are talking about the ultimate house of horrors. We are talking about the West family, more specifically, Fred and Rose West, who are believed to have murdered at least 12 people, including their own children. Now, I'm not going to lie, this case is definitely hard to follow. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of just different moving parts in this. However, I'm going to try and break it up as well as I can and explain it as thoroughly and clearly as possible because, you guys, you are not going to believe what I am going to be telling you today. So with that being said, let's jump right on into it. Now, to understand how we got to where we are, we need to talk about both Fred and Rose's upbringings. So let's start with Fred. Fred was born on September 29th, 1941 in Herefordshire to his parents, Walter and Daisy. Now, Fred grew up in a lower class family of farm workers, and Fred was by far his mother's favorite child, and she did not try and hide that. Fred was one of six siblings, and he was definitely a mama's boy, and his siblings were pretty much his only friends. Now, his parents instilled work in him and all of his siblings from a very young age, and they were taught to work on the farm, which really gave Fred and his siblings a very strong work ethic. However, Fred used that work ethic in other ways. Fred had a long rap sheet from a very young age, and this rap sheet included petty theft and burglary and trespassing and a lot of just different little petty crimes over time. Fred was known to regularly be in trouble, and he actually dropped out of school at the age of 15 to work on his family's farm. Now, from a very young age, Fred was exploited to a lot of sexual abuse. Fred's mother, Daisy, forced Fred to engage in bestiality, so sex with animals. And Fred also said that he had a view that incest was normal, and that was due to the fact that his father would regularly sexually abuse Fred's sisters. 
Now, Fred's sisters claimed that Fred abused them as well. One of his sisters actually confided in her mom about it and said that Fred had been raping her for six months in June of 1961, and his parents did initially press charges. However, the case ultimately fell flat because Fred's sister did not want to testify. Now, regardless of the case falling apart, Fred's family pretty much disowned him after this, which as good as that is considering what Fred did, it definitely is contradicting due to what Fred's parents were forcing him to do and what they were doing to the other siblings. And so it's all very confusing. But regardless, Daisy did kick Fred out of the house and Fred ended up moving in with his aunt Violet and lived with her instead. So Fred is living with his aunt Violet in 1962, and he ends up running into one of his ex-girlfriends one day, and this ex-girlfriend is named Catherine Costello. Now, the two of them first got together when Fred was 19 years old, and they dated for a few months. However, Catherine was originally from Scotland, so their fling ended when she had to go back home. However, now, it was two years later, Fred was 21 years old, and him and Catherine met up again and hit it off. The two ended up getting married shortly after their rekindling on November 17th of 1962. However, the only guest at their wedding was Fred's younger brother, John. That was it. That's how little connection Fred had to anyone in his family. And it's believed that no one from Catherine's family showed up to the wedding either. Now, at the time that they got married, Catherine was actually pregnant with another man's child. So she was not pregnant by Fred. It was someone completely different. However, this didn't matter to Fred. He still wanted to be with Catherine. He was planning on raising this baby as his own. So after the two of them got married, they ended up moving in with Aunt Violet again. So it's Aunt Violet, Fred, and Catherine all living under the same roof before ultimately Fred and Catherine moved to Coatbridge, which is in Scotland, again, where Catherine is from, and Fred worked as an ice cream truck driver. So now Fred and Catherine are living in Scotland, Fred has a job, and they're anxiously awaiting the arrival of Catherine's daughter. And in March 1963, Fred and Catherine welcome Charmaine to their family. Now, Charmaine's biological father was an Asian man and Catherine was white. So Charmaine was a mixed race child. And so Fred and Catherine had this idea that they needed to make up some story about why Charmaine was a mixed race baby. And so they ended up coming up with this fake story about how Catherine had suffered from miscarriages in the past and Catherine and Fred decided to adopt Charmaine. So they made up this whole story about how Charmaine was adopted and not Catherine's biological daughter. Now, one year after Charmaine was born, Catherine and Fred had another daughter. And this one was biologically Fred's daughter, and they ended up naming her Anna Marie. Now, Catherine is described as a very considerate mother. However, she definitely struggled with raising two children. Fred was mainly gone during the day, and she was just very overwhelmed and very stressed, and she wasn't taking to the mother role very well. Now, Fred, on the other hand, Fred was a Looney Tune when he was able to be at home with his daughters. To paint the picture for you, Fred had given his daughters bunk beds. However, on the bottom bunk where that open space is where one would typically get into the bed, 
Fred ended up building multiple bars and put them in the open space of the bunk, so essentially creating a cage, and he would put both Charmaine and Anna Marie in there on several occasions, and it didn't matter if he was going to work or if he was at home, he would just keep them in there. Now, Fred by no means was a great husband either. He had multiple affairs in his marriage and was said to have gotten multiple women pregnant along the way. Now, when Catherine found out about the infidelity, she decided that instead of divorcing Fred, she was going to fight fire with fire. And so she started having affairs of her own. She started having an affair with a man named John. And when Fred found out about this, it drove him crazy. He was extremely violent with Catherine, very physically abusive, but regardless of the abuse and regardless of the ongoing infidelity on both ends, neither of them decided to separate. So they were both having these extramarital affairs and they both basically had the knowledge that this was going on. However, they didn't do anything about it. Now, in November of 1965, Fred decided that him and his family were going to uproot and move back to England. Now, the reason because of this is horrible, actually. It is because Fred had ended up hitting and killing a young boy with his ice cream truck. Now, police did get involved, and it was said that there was no wrongdoing on Fred's part. However, Fred was afraid of the backlash that he was going to get, and so he decided the best thing to do would be to uproot his family and move. So that is why they moved back to England. Now, once they moved to England, Fred and Catherine hired a nanny. Now, this nanny was named Anne McFall, and she was absolutely infatuated with Fred. Anne was 18 years old, and her and Fred started having an affair. Now, throughout the entirety of the affair, Anne would continuously try and persuade Fred to leave Catherine for her, and ultimately, Anne ended up becoming pregnant with Fred's child. However, weirdly enough, when Anne was eight months pregnant in July of 1967, Anne went missing. Now, there was never a report filed, so she was never reported as a missing person. However, her dismembered body was found buried in the edge of a cornfield in June of 1994. So we're talking decades after she went missing. Now, her unborn child was cut from her womb. However, that child was never found. It is also believed with how her body was discovered that she was restrained prior to being murdered based off markings that she had on her wrists. However, we don't really know any details beyond that. And if you're wondering who was responsible for Anne's murder, we will get to that later. Now in 1967, Fred and Catherine finally decide to get a divorce and Catherine ended up leaving Fred, but she also ended up leaving her daughters with Fred. And so she leaves and goes back to Scotland and Fred is having a very hard time raising his two children because first of all, it's not like he was the father of the year before the divorce happened. However, with work and everything, he just did not know what to do. So he temporarily placed them with social services. Now, again, this was a temporary stay and he did end up getting his daughters back. However, unfortunately, that was probably not for their own good. So this brings us to 1969 when Fred is 28 years old and he ends up meeting 15 year old. Yes, let me repeat that. 
15-year-old Rose Letts. Rosemary Letts was born on November 19th, 1953 in Northam, Devon, which is located in England, and she was born to her parents, William and Daisy Letts. So yes, Rose and Fred's mothers both have the same name. Rose was the fifth child out of seven in a lower class family, and Rose's childhood was tainted with having to watch her mother suffer severely with her mental health. Daisy suffered from depression and was even given ECT, which if you are unaware is electroconclusive therapy. Now, if you don't know what ECT is or what that process looks like, the short version is it's when doctors electrically shock you with anywhere between 70 to 120 volts with the goal of inducing a seizure in hopes to help cure mental illnesses. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, that's insane. Why would anyone do that? However, sadly, this is a tactic that's been used for a very long time. And although it isn't as commonly used anymore in the United States, this is something that still goes on in Europe. So Daisy was getting these ECT treatments and she was even getting them when she was pregnant with Rose. And a lot of people believe that the ECT treatments are what led Rose to be the way that she ended up being. However, we really don't have any proof of that, but Daisy was getting these treatments all the way up until just a couple days before Rose was born. Rose's parents separated when she was a teenager, and Rose began living with her mother for six months before she ultimately moved in with her father at the age of 16. Now, Rose's father, William, suffered mentally as well. He had paranoid schizophrenia and was prone to extreme violence and allegedly sexually abused Rose and her older sister. Now, similar to Fred, Rose was not your average teenager. Rose had a fascination with her body and walking around her family home with everyone around, just not wearing any clothes. It was also said that when Rose was 13 years old, she would sneak into her little brother's bedrooms at night and molest them. So Rose and Fred met at a bus station in Cheltenham, which is a town in England. Rose was really put off by Fred in the beginning. She didn't like his unkept appearance. However, she was quickly won over by the amount of attention Fred was giving her. The two saw each other for several days after they first met and they would ride the bus together and talk and get to know each other and Fred would walk Rose home after they would get off the bus to just continue their conversations and on multiple occasions Fred asked Rose out on dates, however she declined. However, after continuous persuasion, Rose ultimately agreed to go on the dates. Now again, Rose was 15 years old when she started dating Fred and Fred had two daughters already. So Rose was really jumping into the role of the stepmother and she was very excited about it. She loved the idea of having this older guy in her life and the four of them would basically just play house and go on family trips together. And Rose felt like she really belonged with Fred and his family. Now, Rose did have a day job. She worked at a bakery. However, just after a few weeks of dating Fred, she decided to quit her day job to become the full-time nanny for Charmaine and Anna Marie. And after a couple months of dating, Fred was introduced to Rose's family and they were not happy 
whatsoever about this. The fact that their 16-year-old daughter was dating a 28-year-old man was not something that they were going to accept whatsoever. So they forbid the relationship, but it didn't really matter what they said because Rose was set to date Fred. She had made up her mind. So she rebelled against their wishes, but her parents were trying to do whatever they could to prevent this relationship. They ended up putting Rose in a facility for troubled teenagers, which basically kept her on lockdown until the weekends. However, Rose would still find ways to see Fred. And this whole facility attempt really didn't work because just after a couple weeks of being there, Rose left the facility and fully ended up moving in with Fred. And it was around that time where Rose found out that she was pregnant. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, apartments.com's instant alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Now, at this point, her parents didn't know what to do. They tried to send her back to the facility, but it just, it didn't work. And her father at this point basically disowned Rose and forbid her from ever coming to his house again. And she really had no relationship with her mother at that point. So Rose was pretty much on her own and she really leaned on Fred. So now Rose was living with Fred as well as Charmaine and Anna Marie. And around this time, Fred was in and out of prison for those smaller charges that I mentioned earlier. And while he was locked up, it was Rose's responsibility to take care of the girls. Now, according to Anna Marie, Rose was very abusive towards both Charmaine and herself. Rose, for whatever reason, particularly did not like Charmaine. And right before Fred got released from prison, when Charmaine was only eight years old, she just ended up going missing. Now, obviously, when a child goes missing, people are going to notice. Anna Marie noticed, her school noticed, her friends noticed. And when people would ask Rose, her excuse was that Charmaine went to go live with her mother. However, Anna Marie knew that that was not the case. And when Fred got out of prison and realized that Charmaine was missing, it's not like he was super worried as well. He caught on to the lie and started telling everyone that Charmaine went to go live with Catherine. However, I'm sure as you can all figure out, that was not the case. Charmaine's body was actually being held in the house until Fred came home and was able to bury her. Her body was kept in the coal cellar of the home and when Fred got released, he buried her body in the backyard close to the back door. So he buried his own daughter's body. 
Now, shortly before Charmaine was murdered, Fred and Rose ended up welcoming their third daughter into the family, and it was around the time where Fred was in and out of prison. Now, Fred and Rose ended up naming their third daughter Heather, and Rose had Heather at the age of 16. But little did anyone know that 16 years after Heather was born, Fred and Rose would be the same ones to kill her. Yeah, I know it's crazy. We're gonna get there. So let's circle back around and talk about Catherine because leaving her children after the divorce certainly doesn't make her mother of the year by any means. However, after some time had passed in the summer of 1971 and Catherine hadn't heard from Charmaine or Anna Marie because they did keep in contact, just not in person, Catherine started to get worried after she hadn't heard from them, so she decided to take matters into her own hands. And in August of 1971, Catherine was able to determine where her kids were living. She went to social services and she figured out the address and she went to Fred's home herself and decided that she was going to go to Fred's house and confront him and try to get custody of her daughters. However, going to Fred's house would be the last time that Catherine was ever seen. Years later, her body would be discovered one mile away from where Fred lived, and when an autopsy was done, it was shown that she died from strangulation. Her body was completely dismembered and placed into plastic bags, and Fred would later on confess to her murder as well. So now you have Anne McFall, the 18-year-old nanny, Charmaine, and Catherine, who are now all dead, but Rose and Fred continue to live their lives, and they actually decided to take the next step in their relationship on January 29th, 1972, and they got married. Now, they didn't have a formal wedding. They went to the courthouse, and similar to the first marriage that Fred had, the only person that was there was Fred's brother, John. Now, several months after getting married, Rose got pregnant with their second child. Now, at this time, the family decided to upgrade their house and move into a three-story home on 25 Cromwell Street. And shortly after that, on June 1st, Fred and Rose welcomed their second daughter, which they named May June. So you get it, like May, June. It's actually a pretty cute name if she didn't have whack jobs as parents. Now, shortly after giving birth to May, Rose started working as a sex worker. Now, Fred was very happy about this. He actually encouraged it. This was something that he encouraged Catherine to do as well when they were married. However, Catherine was very much against the idea. So Fred was thrilled when Rose began doing this. She would advertise her services any way she could, mostly in local magazines, and she and Fred transformed the basement room into what they called Rose's room. Now, this is where she would complete her services, and her and Fred were a very sadistic team when it came to this. Fred installed peepholes into the walls so he could watch Rose and her clients. He even installed a baby monitor, which allowed him to listen to what was going on anywhere in the house. Now, this room was really decked out. It had a bar, red lights, and also a light outside of the door, which would indicate for no one to enter. 
Now, Rose was also just having affairs outside of the sex work that she was doing, and she explored with both men and women, and Fred would often join in. The two of them engaged in multiple threesomes. However, it was clear to every third party that was involved in this that Fred and Rose had an obsession with pushing people to their limits and inflicting fear on them. They were very sadistic. They liked to infiltrate a lot of pain on their partner and see the fear in their eyes. Rose was known to say things to them like, aren't you woman enough to take it? And Rose and Fred didn't just have sex with these people, they murdered many of them as well. Fred and Rose would often videotape the torture that they would endure on these women that they killed, and Fred would even try and sell those videos to local video stores. Now, Fred and Rose never murdered any males. It was all women. So now we're going to talk about the murder victims of Fred and Rose. And again, they were all women. Most were teenagers in their early 20s. Now we're gonna start with Anne McFall. I mentioned earlier that she went missing at the age of 18 when she was eight months pregnant after having an affair with Fred. Now Fred admitted to her murder. Now, the second known victim occurred on April 20th of 1973, when 19-year-old Linda Gao was the first sexually motivated killing. After meeting with Rose, Linda was never seen again. Linda's mother hadn't heard from her in three weeks, and she started calling some of Linda's friends and was able to track down that Linda had gone to Rose and Fred's home. When Linda's mom knocked on the door, Rose was standing there wearing Linda's slippers and jewelry, and Linda's mom thought that she could see her daughter's clothing hanging on drying racks outside. Now, Rose made up an excuse that Linda had gone off to get a job somewhere and was completely gone. However, what Linda's mom didn't know at the time was that Linda had been tortured and murdered and was buried beneath the garage of their home. On November 10th, 1973, 15-year-old Carol Cooper was killed by Rose and Fred and was found years later buried underneath the cellar. On December 27th, 21-year-old Lucy Partington was abducted from a bus stop, but it's believed she died one week later after her disappearance, so it's believed that she was tortured during the week that she was missing. Fred admitted to her murder and dismembering her body, and she was found in the cellar as well. In 1974, Therese Sigenthaler was abducted by Rose and Fred while she was hitchhiking. She was reported missing by her family after they hadn't heard from her, and her body was discovered concealed in a fireplace of the home. On November 15, 1974, 15-year-old Shirley Hubbard was abducted from a bus stop close to the river. She was last seen by her boyfriend, but her remains were discovered in the cellar and her head had been decapitated. In 1975, Juanita Mott was 18 years old and living with a family friend when she went missing. Juanita was the daughter of an American serviceman and her parents split when she was young. While hitchhiking, she accepted a ride from Rose and Fred and was abducted. Her murder consisted of being hung from the beams of the West's cellar and tortured. After she was murdered, Fred poured concrete over the floor of the entire cellar and converted this section of the house into a bedroom for his oldest children. So now his children are living right above where multiple of their victims are buried. 
On May 10, 1978, 18-year-old Shirley Robinson was engaged in multiple threesomes with Fred and Rose, and she disappeared when she was eight months pregnant with Fred's child, which is pretty much identically what happened to Anne McFall. On August 5, 1979, 16-year-old Allison Chambers moved into the West's home to be their live-in nanny. She lived there for several weeks before her murder, however, her body was found buried in the garden and dismembered. In order to make sure her family didn't come looking for her, Fred continued to write letters to Allison's mother, pretending to be her. So those are the known victims of Fred and Rose West. Now by 1983, Rose and Fred had nine children and three of those children Rose conceived with her clients. So three of the children had three different fathers and then Anne Marie was not biologically Rose's child. So Rose and Fred together had five biological children and they were Heather, May, Louise, Stephen, and Barry. Now the ones fathered by other men were named Tara, Rosemary Jr., and Luciana. Now all of the children were subjected to physical and sexual abuse and they were very well aware of what Rose did for a living and would see what was going on daily. So they were watching as Rose and Fred brought all of these people into the house, most of them being strangers who were always seen coming into the house, but never seen leaving. And I need to just mention right now, one of the craziest things about this case, in my opinion, is that, do you remember how I mentioned earlier, Rose's father had disowned her once she began her relationship with Fred, now, after some time had passed, Rose's father came around and decided that he wanted to rekindle his relationship with his daughter, but not in your typical father-daughter scenario. Once Rose's father was able to get in touch with her, he ended up learning that she was doing sex work. Do you know where I'm going with this now? When Rose's father learned about the sex work, he would then go and visit Rose at her house simply to just have sex with his daughter. And this happened on multiple occasions. And again, the kids were exploited to it all. And because Fred and Rose knew that they had to be very careful with what their kids said and did not say, their kids had very strict rules. They were not allowed to socialize with other children and they were also severely physically abused. They ended up racking up about 31 trips to the emergency room all in all. And along with the physical abuse, they were also subjected to sexual abuse as well. When Anne Marie was eight years old, she was raped by her father, Fred. May had to watch porn with Fred. And it was said that Rose was actually the one who was more violent with the children than Fred. She was the one who inflicted more physical pain on all of her children. And both Rose and Fred would justify their actions by telling their children, I made you and I can do what I want with you. Now, Fred even told one of his sons that when he turned 17 years old, he was going to have to have sex with his mother, Rose. So now let's talk about Heather. Heather received a lot of abuse from Rose and Fred. She was called ugly, she was called a bitch, any name under the sun. And Rose and Fred got to a point that they thought that Heather was a lesbian. Now we don't know either way, whether that was true or not, it really does not matter. However, they would continuously taunt Heather about that. 
Now, unlike her other siblings, Heather was pretty outspoken, and it didn't take long for people to realize that Heather had a lot of physical markings on her. She had welts and bruises, and when asked by other people, teachers, students, what those were, Heather would tell people that it was from her parents and that her parents were beating her. There were also rumors going around the school as to what Rose did for work, and Fred and Rose explicitly told their children to never talk about what Rose did did. However, Heather, like I said, outspoken. If someone asked her what her mom did or if this was true or the rumor is true, Heather would admit to it. Now on June 19th, 1986, all of the kids left for school. However, Heather was told to stay home. Now, when her siblings got home from school, Heather was nowhere to be found. Fred and Rose told the kids that Heather left to accept a job that she had applied for. And at first, the kids didn't think much of it because they knew Heather had been applying for jobs. Fred and Rose said that Heather had a girlfriend and she left to go get this new job and live with her girlfriend. However, in the years following Heather's disappearance, both Fred and Rose would say things to the kids such as if they kept acting how they were going to act, they would end up under the patio like Heather. Now, what we would later find out is that Rose and Fred strangled Heather to death and decapitated her before burying her body underneath the patio. So that just goes to show that Fred and Rose were serious when they were making those so-called jokes about if you don't quit acting the way you're acting, you're gonna end up under the patio like your sister. They were 100% serious. So you may be sitting here wondering, are Fred and Rose ever going to get caught? Well, the answer is yes. And I'm going to explain how right after the break from our sponsors. So now this brings us to May of 1992. On this day, Fred had started the day by raping his 13-year-old daughter, Louise. Now, Rose wasn't home at the time that this had happened, and when she did get home, Louise confided in her mother and had told her what happened, and Rose, being the amazing mother that she is, responded with, oh well, you were asking for it. Now, over the next couple weeks, Louise was raped multiple more times by Fred, and Fred went so far as to even filming one of these rapes. Now, Louise ended up confiding in a friend, and this friend told her mom, and the mom ended up calling police. And on August 6th, 1992, police searched the West home and they found numerous sexual paraphernalia objects and this included 99 pornographic videos however the videos were not of any of the rapes that had occurred with fred or rose and their children it was all the sex work that rose was doing and they were able to justify it and they were able to talk their way out of getting in trouble from it and so police really weren't able to do anything with that. Now, at this point, police did want to talk to Heather, and obviously they were not going to be able to do that. However, Fred and Rose tried to say that their reasoning for that is because Heather ran off to get this girlfriend and this job, and she hasn't been home. However, again, little did police know that Heather was buried underneath the house. 
Now, nothing else came from this investigation for two years. So that is two more years that these children are enduring the worst of the worst abuse. However, luckily, on February 24th, 1994, a warrant was obtained to dig up the garden of the West home. Now, when they showed up to the house, Fred was not home, but Rose was. And it was said that when the warrant was presented to her, her entire face turned pale. After spending two days digging up the backyard, police had discovered three femur bones as well as human hair. Now your femur bone is your thigh bone and obviously because you have two thighs you're going to have two femur bones. Now because police found three femur bones that indicated to them that more than one person was buried underneath the garden. Now, police arrested Fred and Rose right away. However, they both had two very different approaches. Fred knew that the gig was up. He knew he was caught and he pretty much automatically confessed. He confessed to murdering Heather as well as two other women. Fred then signed a note that stated that there were nine other victims, which were the ones that I mentioned earlier, He claimed that he strangled Heather in a fit of rage and dismembered her body with a knife that he normally used for cutting meat before storing her remains in a dustbin while waiting to dig her grave. However, that did not line up with the autopsy because the autopsy showed that Heather had been tortured. Not only was she decapitated, but it showed that all of her fingernails were removed from her hands, which is a torture tactic, removing fingernails one by one. So it is believed that Heather was brutally tortured before she was murdered. Between March 5th and March 8th, police discovered six more bodies, each one being mutilated and showed extreme signs of sexual abuse. Now, even though Fred confessed to the murders, Rose was staying strong on the fact that she had no idea that Fred was a murderer and she had nothing to do with all of the dead bodies in her backyard. However, police knew better. Rose was officially arrested on April 20th, 1994, and on May 6th, Fred and Rose were charged with only five counts of murder. However, a couple months later, on June 30th, 1994, Fred was formally charged with 12 murders, while Rose was charged with nine. Now, even though he initially confessed, by the time it came to the trial, Fred and Rose both pled not guilty. So now it was time to prepare for a trial to start. So both Fred and Rose were awaiting their trials and the trials were set to start in October of 1995. However, on January 1st, 1995, Fred committed suicide in his jail cell. He left behind a note that said, in loving memory, Fred West, Rose West, rest in peace where no shadow falls. In perfect peace, he waits for Rose, his wife, end quote. So because Fred committed suicide, obviously now he does not have to go through a trial. However, Rose still did. Her trial began on October 3rd of 1995, and this time she was actually being charged with 10 murders instead of nine because Charmaine's murder, Fred's firstborn daughter, was now added to the list. After seven weeks of a trial on November 22nd, the jury found Rose guilty on all 10 
murders. And Rose was sentenced to life in prison. And to this day, she is still incarcerated, but claims her innocence. And that, you guys, is the case of the West family. I know it was a lot. I know I just threw a lot at you. Hopefully, it made some sort of sense. I really can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about this case. I read about it in a book not too long ago, and I knew that this was the case that I wanted to talk to you guys about this week. But with that being said, you guys, that is all for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah. And again, I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly on the podcast every Wednesday and again, every Thursday on YouTube. And you're not going to want to miss it. I'll be back next week with a brand new case for you guys. And until then, stay safe. Bye, guys. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.